to St. Martin the Fields and welcome to uh, great sacred music and a special welcome to those joining us online. We're always breaking new ground at great sacred music and today's experiment is can you enjoy great sacred music when there's a whole load of broadcasting equipment between you and the singers. Let's see how we get on. Ascension Day, happy Ascension Day uh, today. Ascension Day is fascinating for a number of reasons. Theologically, it's a challenge to the church in the modern world to work out the profound significance of the doctrine of Christ's return to heaven without getting too tangled up in the old-fashioned language about ascent and about being above the skies, which we'll, we'll have in the next piece that we're going to enjoy together. From uh, a musical point of view, there's a poignancy about ascension because ascension is essentially about the day that the disciples said their final goodbye to Jesus. So is that a happy day because he'd completed his work on earth and there was nothing left to be done? Or was that a sad day because they weren't going to be with him anymore in the way that they'd got used to being? It's a very poignant and I'm sure it makes you reflect on your own experiences of goodbyes. Are you glad that you had an experience of love with another person or are you devastated that you're not going to see them again in the same way? It's a glass half empty, glass half full sort of a day. Well, what most people in terms of musical composition have done with the Ascension have said, well, the, the stories about the Ascension in the Gospels and Acts are very, very short. That needn't bother us. There's an awful lot in the Psalms about being seated at God's right hand on high, uh, about God is gone up that we'll, uh, we'll um, visit again in Psalm 47, often sung on Ascension Day. So we'll just, we'll just put all that stuff from the Psalms into our understanding of the Ascension. And what you end up is something a little bit more triumphant than most of us would really be feeling if we said goodbye, not only to the most important person in our life, but to the most important person that's ever lived. So a typical example of that is the hymn that we're now gonna sing together. So a great sacred music, we begin and end with a hymn that we sing together, and you can find it on the inside of the sheets that I hope you picked up, those of you on site, uh, on your way in. If not, just wave your hand around and a wonderful person will come and find you and give you one. But um, there's a couple of hands waving and wonderful people are about to appear. I think wonderful people, you believe me, wonderful people will appear. Um, they're just appearing in their own time. Um, so this is a wonderful example. Hail the day that sees him rise, written by Charles Wesley, uh, 250 years ago. There for him high triumph waits. We've got that theme of triumph. Lift your heads eternal gates. That line has come straight out of Psalm 24. It doesn't appear anywhere in the New Testament. It's, a, it, it's an imposition uh, from a psalm that's often sung at this time of year. We remain seated. The voices will stand and lead us, and uh, we're going to sing together, Hail the Day That Sees Him Rise.
Well, we're going now to, uh, in the spirit of what I've just been saying, uh, hear two psalms, both set by William Byrd 400 years ago. Uh, the first is Psalm 149. This isn't uh, a direct setting of Psalm 149, uh, as if uh, your Latin was at its sharpest. You'll notice the word church uh, is inserted into the psalm, which I think you'll find doesn't appear in the original psalms, but William Byrd isn't too disturbed by that. It's a psalm of newness and rejoicing. Uh, and then Psalm 81, which isn't actually especially connected with the Ascension, but is very much uh, about celebrating a feast day and makes much play of musical instruments.
Now we come to Vaughan Williams' setting of Psalm 47. Psalm 47 is the psalm most associated with Ascension Day because of the line, God has gone up with a merry noise. There isn't actually a lot of noise in the Ascension story uh, in the New Testament, uh, nor are there shouts, nor their voices of triumph, uh, 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 and nor are most of the imagery of Psalm 47 appear in the Ascension story. But as I was saying earlier, it gets kind of transplanted back into the hymnody and the anthems of the Ascension period because of those references that are here in Psalm 47. So let's enjoy Vaughan Williams' setting now.
Well, it's time for us all to sing again now, and we're going to sing Crown Him with Many Crowns. So what's happening in this hymn uh, is it was originally six verses, uh, then along came a friend of the author uh, and decided to write six more. So the ones we have here are mostly from the original version, but the now existing version is 12 verses long, and the tune diademata uh, comes from the Greek for the word crowns. You'll uh, remember the phrase, bring forth the, the royal diadem. Uh, the diadem is just a fancy word for a crown. Um, but what, what's happening here in terms of the progression of the doctrine of the ascension, if you like, is we start off with the, the scriptural accounts, as I described, which give a simple account of Jesus disappearing from the disciples and giving last instructions. Then we go back to the Psalms, as, as I've explained, and, and uh, various of the imagery is imported from the Psalms into the understanding of ascension. And then we go forward to the book of Revelation. And what the book of Revelation does is if you imagine uh, Jesus ascending, and there's the part that we can see, and that's what's described in the scriptural, in the uh, gospel and Acts story, and then, if you like, there's the part that we can't see that's going on in heaven about Jesus then taking his seat at the right hand of the Father and the language of the Lamb upon the throne and all of that that you get in Revelation. Well, that's, if you like, the other part of the story that isn't narrated in the Gospel and Acts accounts but is now part of our understanding of the Ascension because the Ascension is basically the flip side of Christmas. Christmas is God in God's majesty coming to be fully human with us, Ascension is Jesus in his full humanity going back to be fully divine with God, if you like. It's the, it's the other side of, of the story. And what this hymn is doing is giving us all the imagery from the book of Revelation of what's going on upstairs, if you like. So again, we remain seated. The voices stand and lead us as we sing together, crown him with many crowns.
well, we're coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for uh, this week. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. If you have, there's an opportunity to make a donation in almost any means you could possibly imagine as uh, you leave. Uh, do look out on the handouts. Sorry about those of you who haven't got them. Um, on, on the back, you can see upcoming Great Sacred Music events on Thursdays and choral classics on Sunday afternoons at 3.15. If you think, I can't wait till Sunday to hear the voices sing again, well, um, I've got good news for you. They're singing a concert on Saturday at 7.30 in the evening. You can pick up a ticket uh, or several tickets at the box office downstairs or online. Uh, Bach's B minor mass, it doesn't get any better than that, so you're in for a real treat if you're around in central London on Sunday, uh, Saturday evening. Do come along to that. And then you may uh, note that the whole country is celebrating that the Queen has been around for a good while. And uh, the voices are going to join in that celebration, singing a garland for the Queen at 7.30 in the evening next Thursday, the 2nd of June. So do come along to that if you can. Uh, and I believe there are still some tickets left online at BBC audiences for tonight's Ascension Day service at 8 o'clock, which is the reason we've got all of this palaver here. So if you'd like to come and worship again with the voices and with me, if that helps, uh, then, uh, and with all the company of heaven, sorry, I missed them out, um, uh, then do come along tonight. But you do need to get to go online uh, to the BBC audience's website and, and book, a, book your ticket to come. You don't have to pay, but you just they need to know you're coming. We're going to finish with Kenneth Layton's setting of George Herbert's original poem and then um, later hymn, Let All the World. It's a wonderful hymn to sing or, or to listen to at Ascension Tide because it explores the, the fullness of God's redemption in every aspect. And the four aspects that it explores are first of all the heavens, doesn't get bigger than the heavens, then the whole earth, then the whole church, and then finally the heart. And what, uh, what Herbert is doing is he's saying, what's the best place to worship God? Is the best place to worship God in heaven? Is the best place to worship God on earth? Is the best place to worship God on, in the church? But the conclusion he comes to is the very best place to worship God is in the believer's heart. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>